0: please visit jcasnetwork.org.
1: Welcome to the Daily Duff Differently. I'm William Friedman, and today we're studying Ketubot 51. This is actually my last Daily Duff Differently podcast for now, and I want to thank everybody who's been listening so far. For this last podcast, I'm going to once again enter the deep end, looking at another sugya about rape. We will see, once again, how deeply conflicted the text is, struggling between its horror at the crime and its suspicion of the act. The Mishnah that generates this discussion is in the middle of 51a. The overall subject is now about conditions which, even if they are not explicitly stated in the Ketubah, are still legally binding. So one of those clauses is, Lo im tishtabai afrakinach ve'otvinach lila into. Uv Kohenet, Ahadrinach Chayav, So if a man did not write in the Ketubah itself the following condition If you are captured, I will redeem you and make you my wife again. Or, if the persons is the if the man is a Kohen, then he has to promise that he will redeem his wife and then return her back to her home, her former home, um, even if you don't write that in the ketubah, you're chayav because it's a Tanai betin. It's a clause that the court has agreed is true of all Jewish marriages, even if it's not written explicitly. Um, and the point here is that um, if a woman is taken captive, and this is a case we've seen come up in the Gemara before, back in the third chapter especially, um, if a woman's taken captive, then there's a suspicion of a potential of rape. Um, and so for a regular Israelite, right, a non-priest, he can remain married to his wife in that case because it was it was uh, forcible sexual relations, Um, but uh, but a kohen um, cannot, and we talked about this. uh, I don't remember exactly which stuff, but we talked about it back in the third chapter. Um, So now we're going to pick up in the middle of fifty-one a. Um, and uh, again, like I said, there's going to be a back and forth here, um, and we'll, we'll try to go through it with, uh, with a certain amount of sensitivity both to the, to the contemporary situation um, and also to the positions that the, that the sages are going to um, promulgate. So in the middle of 51a. Starts with a piska from the Mishnah, quoting the Mishnah, lo katav la v'chuleh, you know, if he didn't write, and it's clearly going to be about this, uh, this uh, tanai, this condition about uh, being taken captive and redeeming. Amar avuah de Shmuel, eishet Yisrael shene'ensa asura leva'alach, chashinan shametchilatach ba'ones v'sofach beretzan. So avuah de Shmuel, Shmuel's father, said that the wife of, of a Yisrael, right, meaning of a non-priest, who is raped, net sa she is forbidden to her husband. Um, now, if that just stood on its own, we might say, okay, So what's he worried about? Maybe he's worried about some kind of uh, extension of priestly uh, status, um, some kind of purity issue maybe, um, which in and of itself would be problematic, but um, maybe we could have just imagined that that's what's going on. Um, But then he, or possibly the Gemara, because it changes now from Hebrew to to Aramaic a little bit, um, gives a different explanation for why that should be. Cheshinon, we are concerned lest that it began as a rape and ended up consensual. Now, for us moderns, that's, that's totally untenable. It's disgusting. It turns our stomachs. We can't even imagine what's being said here. Um, and maybe, in fact, um Shmuel really thought that. Maybe he really thought that that was a possibility, um, which, uh, which we now just reject out of hand. Um, But I want to maybe suggest another way of understanding what's going on here. Um, And it could be that this is actually an expression of the fear that would be in the mind of the husband, right? That reasonable or unreasonable, um, the husband might think, well, maybe it's possible that she was somehow complicit in the act or enjoyed the act. Um, And those sorts of niggling fears and doubts can lead to anger and can actually eat away at the marriage and destroy it. Um, And it's possible that what Avua Deshmual is trying to do here is saying, well, you know what, given that that could be, given that this could eat away at marriages and destroy them, um, and the people involved would be miserable, and possibly maybe the husband would even become abusive um, because he gets angry at his wife, even subconsciously, then possibly he's saying, you know what, once this has happened, the marriage is actually not going to be good for either party, and it's best to just end it now, um, right? So it's not possibly a concern um, that this is actually true, but it's uh, expressing what the concern of of husbands might be, even subconsciously. Um, and he's actually trying to um, salvage uh, the best possible outcome in this horrible circumstance. It's possible. I'm just suggesting it um, potentially as a way of understanding. Uh, with some charity, what Avu HaDeshmoel is doing. In any case, the Gemara sees this ruling as running up against the Mishnah. Why? Because the Mishnah itself said, Otvina Khlila into, I will make you my wife again. Clearly the Mishnah assumes that a woman who was taken captive and then redeemed, even though there's a suspicion that rape may have occurred, um, is still... Um, is still brought back, and the marriage resumes. So the Gemara says, So Rav um, attacked, right, brought a contradiction to Avu from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that the marriage resumes just as it had before. And this is interesting, Avu doesn't reply. Gemara says, He was silent. Now, this happens not infrequently in the Gemara, where there's a challenge from one rabbi to another, um, from a source of a greater authority, and then there's no response. Ishtik. And I always wonder, what is this ishtik? What's going on with the silence? Is it silence of assent, right? He, he agrees, and sort of that's why he's silent? Or is it silence of embarrassment? I mean, they do have a word for embarrassment that they say sometimes, ichsif, but maybe this is also a silence that comes from embarrassment at not knowing the source or having contradicted the missioner or something like that. Or maybe it's a silence that's sort of like anger, right? He's like, how dare you attack my position, right? I, you know, I have an answer, but you're not worthy of it, or um, I think I'm right, but I can't quite prove it, or something like that. It's not clear what's going on with the silence, but in any case, he's silent, um, and Rav praises this response. So Rav applies the following verse to Avuadishmuel. de Sarim <clears throat> This is a pasuk from Job, um, which says that princes, right, people who are um, of people who are presumably are wise in some way, um, stop up their words and put their and put their palm on their mouth. Right? In other words, there are some situations in which the best thing to do is to keep your mouth shut, um, and Rav says, yes, that was the right response of Uwe Now, obviously, it's a little self-serving, right, because Rav is challenging him, right, and Rav has now won, but it's, you know, at least a way of trying to be nice to his opponent, um, but, but he really thinks here. That this was the why, it was wise not to try to contradict the Mishnah. What's interesting is that the Gemara doesn't have any compunctions about it. That the Gemara's next step is actually, indeed, to say, well, actually, there could have been a response. Um, and the Gemara says, it What actually could Avu Adishmuel have said to defend himself against this contradiction between his position and that of the Mishnah? Bishvuya hekelu. That, in fact, by a, um, a, a woman taken captive, they were lenient. In other words... Maybe you can actually distinguish between the case that Avu Adishmoah was talking about, which was rape, and the case talked about in the Mishnah, which was captivity. Um, and Rashi points out that the difference here is based on your certitude. Avu Adishmoah was talking about a case where you are certain that rape occurred, right? There were witnesses to the act, presumably, somehow. Um, <clears throat> whereas um, in the Mishnah, it's talking about a case of captivity where you don't know exactly what went on. Right? Maybe people are too traumatized to talk about it, and even if they do talk about it, when we believe them, when we don't believe them, the subject of a different Mishnah. Um, But uh, but you don't necessarily know what's going, what went on there. Um, And so maybe what Avudah Shmuel is actually saying here, or the Gemara is saying in his place, is that um, there's something substantive to distinguish, um, right? If if you buy the read that I was talking about before about trying, when can you save the marriage, and when can you save the marriage, right? if the rape is known, then those niggling doubts start. But if, if it's just a situation of captivity, um, then it's clear that there was violence, there was force, right? There was unwillingness. Um, and uh, and we don't even know if, if rape actually occurred. Um, so that's sort of like a fake fake a double doubt. Um, and uh, and maybe in those cases, the husband can sort of disconnect um, from what might have occurred, uh, as opposed to the original case of Abu dushmol where he can't. Um, the Gemara, though, really, um, really seems to want to give Avud Hashmuel a hard time, and says, "No, no, 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 no. Tell me something, Avud Hashmuel." Ula Ones Rachmana He says, according to Avud um, what is the case of a rape in which the woman can return to her husband without any concern? And it says, "Kagon de Khamri Edim Shitzavka Mitchilav Yatzof." Um, when there were witnesses that saw her screaming from the beginning to the end. Um, and I think that this reply is potentially supposed to mock Avua de Shmuel's position a little bit, right? In other words, that's a crazy situation. When would that ever happen? Why didn't the Adim step in, right? When these witnesses are just standing there listening to this woman scream while she's being raped, why, why aren't they stopping it, right? So I think what the Gemara is saying is like, look, we know that marriages continue even after rape, and how dare you say that all marriages where the, where this occurs, the marriage has to be over, right? uh, Any marriage, any such marriage would end. We know that not all such marriages are required to end by the Torah, and therefore you're just wrong. You're just wrong. Avuah Um it cannot be. And now the Gemara keeps pushing. It keeps pushing and pushing and pushing against Avuah and it says Ufliga deRava. This actually disagrees with another position that we know of in the name of Rava. To Amar Rava, Rava said, Kol Coshithila tahba onas for sof baratson, a filu hiomeret, hanikulo, shiomalay nis kakla, Hi soharto Muteret, maita yetser al basha. So this is just an incredible statement. Rava says, any time it begins as a rape and ends up will willingly, right, with with desire, well, you know what? Even if she says, let him be. Because even if he hadn't started the rape, I would have hired him to do this. She's still permitted to return to her husband." Right? In other words, Rava is just blasting the idea that this is a reasonable category whatsoever. Right? You have to understand, I think, that he's, right, the tone of what he's saying is it's so ridiculous, it's so over the top, it's so hyperbolic, that he's trying to destroy it. Right? He's saying, yeah, you know what? I don't care what you think may have happened in terms of desire. That's irrelevant. Because you know what? I think he's saying rape is rape. And the Gemara answer for our explanation is fascinating. It says the reason behind his position is Yetzer al-Basha, that um, this sort of like overpowering demonic force, right, has overtaken her, right? In other words, um, even if there were some kind of crazy situation like this, um, it just, it, it's not realistic. It's not human, um, and therefore, it must be just a demonic force that doesn't change the legal outcome, right? And I think the Gemara here in the name of Rava is really trying to destroy Avu with and say, no, marriages are going to continue. There's no such category. That concern that maybe is lurking in the back of husbands' minds, Yetzir al-Basha, they just need to get over it, understand that it was, there's like just a demonic force that over was overpowering here, and just move on. Right? I think Rava is really, really pushing back about it, Um and then the Gemara has a whole other baraita uh, that supports this. Tanya de Rava, There's a baraita that supports Rava. Vehi lo nit pasa asura. So this is talking about the case of the sota, right? The woman who's suspected of having committed adultery, but there are no witnesses, right? So there's that whole ritual in the fifth chapter of uh, of of Bhamidbar, of of numbers. Um, And it says there, hilo nitpasa, she wasn't grabbed, right? So a woman who wasn't grabbed, right, who willfully went into seclusion with another man, she is forbidden to her husband until the ritual is over. Ha nitpasa but if if she was grabbed, right, the implication is that um, from the Torah here, in fact, um, there is a case of forcible forcible sex, rape, basically, um, in which case there's no impediment to her returning to the husband. Um, and then the Midrash sort of continues and says, and there has to be another case. The Midrash here quoted, the brighty here quoted, just totally destroys the category and says, um, even if you want to say there's a category that where it can begin forcibly and end willfully, um, doesn't matter. That Marriages continue in those cases. Right? And that's supporting Ravah's pushback as well. Um, so I want to just skip a few lines down here, um, and sort of end with um, with a story that actually the way the Gemara ends many many of these sukkot by bringing maasim by bringing cases that actually happen, and I think the story actually plays out the tension that we've been describing here between um, just utter horror at the at the notion of rape and that it and that it's just it just how to how to make life move on afterwards, um, and this like other sort of seemingly human deep-seated um, reaction of suspicion that goes along with it. So skipping just a little bit, Amar Ravyhuda, Hane Nashe Degan Vuganave, Sharyan Liguvrahu. So Ravyhuda says, these women, it seems like maybe he's talking about a real case that happened. Um, maybe he's talking theoretically, right? Anyway, these women whom thieves stole, in other words, there was there was kidnapping of women, they are permitted to their husbands. Sharyan Luguvrahu. They can go back to their husbands. Amrile so Rabbanan the Ravyhuda, so all of his colleagues come together and they say to Ravyhuda, "Vah, um, kamamti Kamamtian leho Nahama," which means, "Wait a second, we actually saw them bringing bread to their captors, right? They were bringing bread to the captors, um, right? Which implies a certain amount of um, desire, maybe." Um, to which his response is, Mahmad Yura! No, they were afraid. Like any niceness you see that captives doing for their captors, they're doing out of fear so that they will maybe release them. And they say, wait a second, we actually saw them bringing them arrows, right? Weapons. Um, and again, obviously the response is, Mahmad Yura! No, there, there were threats here, there was fear here. Um, and then the Gemara sort of accepts that that's true, right? Anytime you can kind of frame it as Yira, right? Anything nice that they're doing for their captors, they're doing because they're afraid, right? But, vada'i shavkinhu shai hu asiran, right? But if the women actually leave their husbands and go back to these thieves, um, then obviously we know that uh, that something forbidden and, and truly willful had occurred initially, um, and that's the only time that we end the marriage, right? So the sukya basically ends... By saying, look, if you can reframe in any shape, way, shape, or form what has happened here um, such that there won't be suspicion, there won't be uh, a danger of, uh, of potential abuse by husbands against wives because of these deep-seated suspicions, um, then of course the marriages can continue. Um, But I think, you know, the the idea that people need to be protected um, from subconscious things is actually uh, subconscious suspicions. As much as we try to root them out, um, that's actually an important insight as well. Um, I've enjoyed learning with all of you for the past three weeks. Um, I've hoped I've helped open up for you a way of reading and understanding Talmud that makes this study rewarding and enriching. Um, And I hope you enjoy the rest of the Daily daf Differently.